You're listening to the Manaverse Podcast with your host Tom Traplin, and this is session number 71. Welcome to another episode of the Manverse Podcast. I am your host, Tom Traplin. I'm glad to have you here today. I'm also glad to have my co-hosts here with me. I have John Coviello and Gary Sproul with me on the episode today to join me in discussing every retailer's favorite topic, dealing with distributors and figuring out your supply chain. See, if you want to run a game store, you need to have games to sell. And the only viable way to get those games is by dealing with distributors. In this episode, we explore how the supply side of the industry works and why it is the way it is. In the end, we also come up with some possible solutions and suggestions that could help improve the situation. So I definitely encourage you to stick around and listen in for those. We also talk about uh, an update to our recent story about the counterfeit products and Amazon and all that good stuff with a recent action that Amazon has taken against shady dealers when it comes to Asmodee product. This could be the beginning of the solution to counterfeit products being sold online. We also talk about uh, why distributors are a necessary link in the supply chain between retailers and publishers. A lot of people get frustrated with by the middleman, I'm saying that with air quotes, being between uh, the players and the games, but, you know, distributors, we, we explore why distributors are necessary. We also talk about some of the most frustrating things about working with distributors, and believe me, there are plenty. The We also go into the issues with exclusives and the problems of allocation and probably the core concept of this particular episode. We talk about the information lag that causes issues with supply and demand and what we as retailers can do about it. We also look at distributors from the publishing side of the industry and why you shouldn't be afraid to fire your rep if they aren't helping your business. And as a final little tidbit we talk about why communication is the most important aspect of the issue and why our industry is still in the stone age so all that and more in this episode of the manaverse podcast let's just jump into it and get started all right everybody welcome to another episode of the manaverse podcast i'm your host tom Traplin, and i have with me gary sproul and john coviello say hello guys hello everyone and this is the podcast where we're going to talk about building profitable and successful game stores and first up we're going to have to do a quick update on the counterfeit story we were talking about in the last episode. So let us know, Gary, what, what's going on. Uh, so in the last episode, we talked about uh, a lot of the publishers being very concerned about the number of counterfeits uh, of their games coming into the country. Um, Asmodee, as one of the, the biggest publishers, very, very concerned. So over the weekend, they did a rather remarkable thing. They cut off all third-party sellers of their products on Amazon. So Amazon itself could continue to sell, but anyone who was selling product through Amazon was completely cut off. Um, We got an email about it a couple of days later explaining what had happened and what we could do about it and explaining that uh, legitimate retailers could send in some rather simple paperwork to Asmodee, you know, showing that they were indeed retailers and uh, had gotten their product from a legitimate place and that they would be now registered to be able to sell third party through Amazon. Um, So it's a very interesting uh, tact on taking care of uh, the counterfeiting problem. 
So not only does it take care of a lot of uh, counterfeiters who are not able to produce that you know, legitimate chain of supply uh, paperwork, um, but it also takes care of a lot of the um, people that were dumping um, Asmodee product at well below their map. Uh, it's a very interesting topic. Fortunately, we didn't get caught with too much of their product on Amazon. Um, John, I think you did. Yeah, we had we have stuff, and we still are resolving um, issue because even a, as a so what they're going after is they want Asmodee, um, uh, what's it called, specialty stores or preferred stores? I forget what their exact terminology is, which is something that we we got on board back in the day when they um, they revised sort of the distribution, which now goes through only one distributor kind of situation. Anyways, um, long story short, once you submit this documentation. Um, it'll take some time for you to um, be able to relist things. Now, oddly enough, it's got to be for every sub-brand. So while Asmodee send us a letter as a whole company, Asmodee North America went, yes, you're authorized to sell our brands. Amazon needs an authorization for each sub-brand. So we've had to put in an application for Days of Wonder, Asmodee proper, Fantasy mm. Flight Games, um, and each one of those has some estimated times of when they're going to review it and allow us to resell. Oddly, any new product we put on there is fine. Any product that was already there, be it um, that we were fulfilling, in other words, it's in our store, and we are just putting that, uh, mirroring that on Amazon, saying, hey, we can sell this, we'll ship it from our store, you buy it on Amazon, et cetera, et cetera, or product that's FBA, in other words, it's producted. Um, so we, we use several fulfillment centers, Amazon is one of them, to kind of uh, help our logistics out, right? I mean, if you're shipping something to somebody in New York and you have it in a warehouse in New York, it's a lot cheaper and a lot faster to do it from there. So you sort of ship product to these different fulfillment centers and Amazon is one of them. Um, but that, that inventory is now stranded. They can't sell it, they, you, can't, they, you can get it out of there, but then you'd have to send it back once you get approved. So it's sort of a waiting game right now. Uh, the really interesting thing about it is that it happened over the weekend and we're like, oh man, Things are kind of slow on Amazon this week for uh, for fantasy flight. We didn't know anything about it, right? Literally, uh, I think the first I caught wind of it was other retailers going, "What's going on?" I just saw that this disappeared on several forums, right? And then at five thirty p.m. Um, on Monday, we get this email from from um, at least we did at five thirty. I'm sure different people got it at different times. So there went dinner plans, and there went fill out this paperwork for Asmo Day North America, which. <laughs> Look, a colossal pain in the rear, and realistically speaking, it's money, right? I mean, whenever you don't have your product on a channel, you're losing some form of money. Um, I wish there would have been more of a forward warning, realistically speaking, but I also understand that if you're trying to catch these suppliers off guard and trying to get this, this counterfeit stuff stuck somewhere, this is a good way to go about it because literally now it's like, okay, the rest of us can wait and get to it, and no problem, we'll have our listings back and all that good stuff. If you're not doing things kind of by the book, well, you might have different problems. And I'm not sure if there's a way to circumvent it, nor am I going to even worry about it. As far as I'm concerned, we are one of the retailers. We'll follow their directions. And it's, uh, if, it's, if it helps with the counterfeiting problem, I'm all for it. I'll go through all the craziness. And like I said, it's a different application for each sub-brand. If you guys don't know who Asmodee North America is, if you go to their website, you will see they have a, a long list of companies under their banner. That, you know, Z-Man Games, these are wonder. I've, I've said some of them, but it's it's a considerable amount of product that you have to worry about. So 
for right now, we put in our applications and we're waiting. If we can submit new product, we can't um, relist product that was already there at this point is what it's looking like. Seems like a pretty good solution, even though it does seem to be causing you a little bit of a little bit of an issue right now. It, At least it, it does. seems like. Seems like but it's not, you know, I mean, I don't count on that as my livelihood. So it's, it's nice money, but don't get me wrong. And I'm call me greedy, but I, I like to pay my employees and money's got to come in from the, all the different spots. However, um, you know, it's, it's something that's, in my opinion, necessary. So it's worth the sacrifice of whatever it is that we lose in the meantime. So. No, we didn't really come up with anything too concrete at the end. So it seems like somebody had an idea as to what to do. That's a pretty good place to go. I wonder if any of the other distributors, the other publishing companies will adopt a similar strategy. I did have one thing though that I, we ran into a problem. So for those of you that don't know, Amazon's database is populated pretty much by the sellers too, right? There's the stuff that Amazon itself creates, maybe some of the publishers. So there's some interesting problems with some items that slip under the radar. If you, user A, B, or C, create a, 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 an item in the Amazon database and you mislabel who the publisher is, you put Alliance or you put that item doesn't show up as an Asmodee product. So potentially that item, until somebody corrects it, will just keep on selling just fine that way. That same don't, token. Don't tell them this. No, no, no. But <laughs> it's a terrible idea. I, it's not terrible. It's, it's unfortunate. And the Amazon database has some serious issues. It really does. I mean, um, because of this. Um, by that same token, if you have an item that doesn't belong to a publisher, like we found Mysterium under the wrong publisher, so that item, right, won't get unblocked because it's been branded as Asmodee as the brand, but the publisher is a different publisher. So you have to write to this publisher and any authorization from you as far as Amazon's concerned, which is not the case. They don't even touch that product. So you have to get the, product, the item corrected first with the right publisher and the right brand, right? And then you can apply for, yes, this is an Asmodee product and I'm licensed to sell Asmodee product. Hmm. Authorized, not licensed. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's a complex problem, but one step at a time. So. For sure. Seems like something that the consumers can kind of step in and help with too. If they see something, it's, if they know that this is a loophole, the only have to do is identify the product to be the right. Yeah, it's not so much as a loophole as, as a mistake. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely a mistake. Yeah. I wouldn't call them exactly loopholes. They're not intentional to begin with. They're just mistakes. And yeah, because they block the product. No, it's, it's just lazy listing. There's people yeah. that are just listing stuff um, haphazardly and getting Amazon to recognize that as a non-trivial product, uh, non-trivial. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just as long as that it's open, then somebody could potentially list those products and just not list them as Asmodee, right? Never have to worry about it at least until. Well, what, yeah. Once an item is created though, you can't like, you can't create a duplicate on it on the same barcode. So once it's created, it's, it's there, right? Okay. So if anybody is recreating this, they can't, Anything that's already there, they can't create a separate SKU for it. So there is that block there. Once it's right, it's right. Um, yeah. yeah it's, yeah. it's a matter of fixing all the problems that are there right now. And it's considering the size of the company, that's the big issue, right? I mean, there's like 60, 65 codes for just X-Wing alone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> more on how many of them are in print later when we talk about distribution. But <laughs> <laughs> sorry, in circulation, not in print. But yeah. In circulation, yeah. Sold through. For sure. And I also just wanted to add in a comment that we got on the last episode. Something that 
we didn't necessarily address fully, perhaps. And just just to give the guys some credit, this was from John Tyler. He said, you guys are not exactly correct as to how FBA inventory is stored. You can use commingled inventory the way you described, all like items going into a common pool. However, you can also send in items as non-commingled. These items have a barcode sticker identifying them to a particular seller. When one of my items sells on Amazon, they only pull from my inventory, not the common pool. That's, that is true. But yeah, yeah. so I, I basically just essentially responded with a point that said, uh, for sure, that, that's definitely something that, being, that can happen, but the counterfeiters are not doing that. They're basically saying, put it in the commingled pile, right? That's the problem. And not only yeah. the counterfeiters, but we don't either, because it's an extra step that, to be honest with you, I don't care if they sell Troll and Toad's um, copy of Mysterium or mine, it's the same, right? I mean, so I don't need to go there and for that. Now, if I was dealing more with collectibles or, um, for example, you have to do that if your item is a, is a not new item or it has a dent or something, you're intentionally selling it that way. It's, it's, it needs to be individually labeled. Um, that's a must happen kind of situation. Yeah, I, I, but you're 100% right. If I was a counterfeiter, I would guess I wouldn't label that as my product. I would just go make Probably it. not. Yeah. Probably want to disguise the source as best you can. Okay, so it's a that's... Good, it's a good point, though. Thank you. Yeah, yep, yep. definitely. Excellent comment. And I guess that kind of leads us into our main topic of the night. We're going to be talking about distributors. This is uh, a, a topic that we touched on a little bit as we were going along in the last couple of episodes. It's a sensitive topic for some, I suppose. So... Who wants to start? What's your favorite thing about your distributors right now? Favorite thing? What's your favorite thing? They get me stuff. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> um, you know, actually, I am not, not horribly, horribly upset at most of my distributors. Uh, I mean, I, I will admit I'm probably in the minority here, but uh, I think over the years, and I'm a complainer, so I tend to like, fire my reps, right? So if my rep doesn't work for me, um, I'm going to keep barking until I find somebody that does. So uh, I don't have a lot of complaints. However, the industry in general, specifically the, both the publisher and the retail tier, I would say, Gary, are not 100% happy with the way distribution works for our industry at this point. Just so, just so we know what we're talking about, it's, a, it's pretty much a necessary evil well, that, that's too strong a term. It's a necessary link in the supply chain to have a distributor who's able to sell us um, small quantities of a publisher's game. Uh, often we're buying one or two copies of something. Well, hopefully never one, but two or three copies of something. And that's just not something that publishers are able to do easily, especially the smaller publishers. Um, so I, I, I'm incredibly grateful that this exists because I don't think I would be able to do business um, if I had to order everything directly from manufacturers, there's, there simply isn't enough time in the day to order all of the different manufacturers that I have in my store. Um, yeah. and, my selection would be miserable. Well, yeah, you would be pretty much, well, I don't know, you would have magic, you would have like four of the 12 yeah. copies of like a specific game, you know what I mean? But yeah, for the most part, you wouldn't have the variety you have right now. So Basically, your industry is situated in a three-tier system. You have publishers, you have distributors. They take basically all these, they place large orders with publisher A, B, C, D, whatever, bring them all to a centralized warehouse from which retailers can go, I need one of this, one of that, send me 10 of this one, right? 
And over the years, for us, when we started and we were only 300 square feet, there was absolutely no way we could have even done anything without distributors. I mean, there were weeks where you go, hmm, minimum order is $300, $400 wholesale. I don't know if I can make that this week, so I'm going to wait and order next week, right? Now, if you take that problem, you multiply it by X amount of publishers. Say you got somebody like, um, who makes Bloomhaven, Gary? Do you remember the name of the publisher? I'm sorry, I don't. Um, but, it's uh, distributed by um, by impressions. Right, but Bloomhaven, right right now, unobtainium, uh, really in-demand game, smash success it. But I can't go to that publisher and go send me one copy of Bloomhaven it's a $110 game or whatever. Not. He's going to go, well, I got it in cases of six, and I don't need cases of six, right? So the distributor helps by stepping in and going, hey, publisher A, send me 500 cases. And I will distribute them to your to, to the retailers kind of situation, um, and and that's the way our industry has operated since oh I don't know the dawn of time of gaming industry. And it, it allows small publishers to concentrate on what they do best, which is make games, not yeah. fulfill orders and ship things, because it it does take a tremendous amount of work to assemble things and ship them out, and only the biggest publishers can actually handle that. So distributors are are absolutely necessary for smaller publishers. And even some of them, like Asmodee is a huge publisher. We were talking about them early, but they took a step back. They were doing direct. Yes. Instead, they would take one distributor to fulfill all of the United States. And my understanding is, I kind of wish Wayne was here. Unfortunately, he had other commitments. But he would give you a Canadian aspect. Uh, I believe it's Lion Rampart that has the exclusive in Canada. Right? I believe so. And we have Alliance here in the United States. So basically, even they took a step back um, and went, this is crazy shipping to this many retailers and all that good stuff. And they honestly weren't doing, at least to me, not a great job. We've had several release dates that were missed and things like that. So I think it was a smart move on their part to go, no matter how large we are, we make games. That's our strong point. We're not a distributor. We're not, you know, it makes sense to partner with a distributor and get everything, get them to take care of it. So, um, so yes, Gary is 100% right. It's, it's still a very much a necessary thing, no matter how big you are. Um, I mean, we have direct accounts with Game Workshop. With uh, we did with Fantasy Flight Games back in the day. Now they don't do that anymore. Uh, Yellow, you know, um, I can't they escape me. But yes, and sometimes it makes sense. If a new game is coming out and you're going to order 18 copies of it or 24, or 36, for example, like the Game of Thrones game that's coming out from Cool Mini or not we're gonna go full in with that and go to 36 of that. That makes sense, you can get it directly from the publisher and that's fine. But if I were to order one or two copies, that's not a viable thing for them. And that, that seems right. like a really good place to start, see why you need distributors. That's a good place to approach the conversation. So what's the most frustrating thing about them? Well, they're, you gotta remember that distributors are a business just like anything else. They have cash flow issues, they have supply issues, they have, personnel issues. Um, so it can be the case uh, more often than we'd like that distributors simply don't place an order with a publisher for a resupply of their game, whatever it is. So you'll see, you know, take uh, Chessex Dice, for example. You know, I'm, I'm sure they do huge orders with Chessex Dice, but they'll do a huge order and then the stock will dwindle down and dwindle down and SKUs will start to go out of stock and out of stock and out of stock until they get down to you know their arbitrary minimum point and then they'll do a reorder. But until then, they're out of stock. The publisher has them, but 
the distributor doesn't have them because they haven't placed the order for them. So out of stocks at the, the distributor level are often have nothing to do with what the publisher has in their warehouse. So more and more publishers are, are going, look, we'd like you to do business with the distributors because that's easier for us. But if they don't have it, let us know because we might have it. And Gary's 100% right with the Chessex. That's a typical example. Let me tell you something else. When you have a customer that's going, why don't you have the speckled dice set that I ordered two days ago, right? Three days ago, four, and they call you up and go, where's it going? There are some things like Chessex is a prime example. Reaper Bones is another one, right? It's a logistical nightmare for a distributor because you are looking for one dollar item and they have to place a $4,000, $5,000, $10,000 to get you that one $2 item. So it, it, <laughs> yeah. is, it is difficult on their part. And I would like to say that my understanding is that from the three tiers, they're the ones that operate on the narrowest margin. Like there's not a lot of fat yeah. to chew on them. Um, they, they really have to operate on razor thin margins. And they have to be sort of the buffer. They have to make an educated guess based on our orders. I'm going to preach here for a moment. Customer, when you don't tell me you want something, you're the first part of the problem. Okay. So they, they ask us how much do we want of something. And in theory, we're shooting it back to them. And they go to the publisher and go, we need this much. But they can't afford. There are some things that they're going to take educated guesses on and go deep. But they can't go deep on everything. Like Bloomhaven is an example. It's an unknown game. Sure, Kickstarter was hot, but how many do you bring in? Not enough was the answer, right? So um, it's a difficult job for them. And it's part of our frustration, Gary, is, is, is right on it. Um, the other part of that, did you want to touch on allocations, Gary? And how those are, or do you want me to take that? I don't, yeah, yeah, I think you better talk about it because I, <laughs> that, okay, that is definitely the, the most painful part is allocations. So, so the other part of that, them being a business and again i don't know how much i can fault them let's pretend like you own you dear listener you own a game store and in walks in your most favorite guy the guy every time he's in he drops three five six eight hundred dollars right he just writes a check or gives you cash walks out he's your best customer and you have a very limited supply of product x that is like high in demand and whatever now when it comes down to it how do you allocate that problem? That's what the distributors have a problem with, right? If I have, everybody wants this, it's going for crazy money online or whatever, nah, but they're just supply of X and demand of Y. They don't meet each other. So how do you allocate this product? Now, normally supply and demand you would take care of by raising the price, but they can't do that. Right. So now you're faced with like, who do you make happy? The guy that's giving you thousands of dollars every day? The guy that, you know... He's a really nice guy and he runs a small shop in, I don't know, Munchie, Indiana, right? <laughs> um, he's a nice guy. You have a good rapport with him. But the boss says, no, you got to give it to corporate chain X, Y, or Z because they order thousands of dollars, right? So that's, <coughs> excuse me, that's part of the frustration for a lot of retailers um, because the system isn't necessarily fair. I don't know if it can be fair or we should put a gun to people's heads, distributors yeah. and both. You have got to make it this way. It's got to be fair for everybody. Some companies try to do that. Go it ahead. gets even more painful when giant uh, retailer corporation Y that's their best customer is the one that's selling it online uh, for a ridiculously low price. That's particularly painful to retailers. Yeah. So that, that causes another point of attrition. There's the whole, um, 
ordering short, I'm sorry, it's just the way it's going to happen, or the Bob got 10, I got one, you know. Um, in theory, in the perfect world, if you put in an order for 20 and you were ahead of somebody else, you would get 20. And no distributor is going to tell you exactly how they allocate product or what. It's just nebulous, kind of like, yeah. you know. And, and, and I will say over the years, there is definitely some level of favoritism because I, I, I got to say, I, I, volume makes a difference. And how you treat your distributor and how they treat you, it's somewhat related to that, right? I've seen a, a correlation there. That's not to say that there aren't some publishers. Like, um, WizKids has an interesting model where they basically impose a maximum cap on their sets, right? So if you're big guy A, you can't go, I want 75. Don't go, look, you can have as much as you want up to 50. That's the cap for everybody. Most people don't take 50. If there's leftovers after that, you can have the leftovers from other retailers that don't want. That mitigates it a little bit. But again, I don't know if those sort of like artificial make it fair for everybody are actually, you know, fair to everybody. Does that make sense? In the end, the size of the company, we all know how op Walmart operates. It's not pretty. It's not morally, ethically, whatever you want to call it, right? But it is business. It's kind of how it operates. It's efficient. It's, they yeah. got that going for them. Right. But as retailers in this industry, we're very emotional. We're attached to our product. We're attached to our customers. We're attached to our business. So you can see how it creates ill will when you find out that, you know, so-and-so is getting this and you're getting this minus whatever. Hmm. So is the secret to have more than one distributor is to try and diversify that section and try to have multiple sources that you can pull from? If you can. Yes, if you can. To, a, to a certain extent. Yes, absolutely. Um, there are, there are plenty of things that we order from three different places. We order from our main distributor and every game store has a secondary distributor that they order from. And these days we also order when we can direct from the manufacturer. Um, just to try and mitigate that 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 allocation problem, okay. we're we're constantly ordering at this level, expecting to get this level, <laughs> and hoping that we can fulfill this level, which is what our our special orders is. Right, and those are those are the critical ones. Everything else is gravy, but you want to keep the customers who actually took the time to order. Yeah, happy, right, because you want to reinforce that behavior. You want to go, man. You you gave me your numbers early. And by all means, I'm going to do my very best. I mean, we pretty much use a first come, first serve basis. Um, again, sometimes I have some problems. I let go of my personal copies of things that I'm like, but, but. Yeah, me too. At first. I'm yeah. like, you know what? I'd rather see the customer happy. Um, I wanted to point in something. And I know for some of the stores that think that like, oh, you're a big store. You go directly with the publisher because they give you a better price. But for the most part, that's not true. It's pretty much going to be the same price. Every once in a while, you might be able to, to find some publishers willing to offer better, but their goal is not to undercut the distributor. They're really not after that. It's a headache for them to ship to all these stores. Yep. I go through multiple sources, just like Gary, and I go through the publisher because the problem is that is getting what I need. I, I can't right. all times. If I just use one distributor, I'm not going to get everything that I need. I already don't by using multiples, and it's a colossal headache. I'd rather just deal with one guy Right. Get everything there, but it doesn't work that way anymore. Not in this right. industry, you know. Um, hmm. And for any publishers, Would, sorry, go ahead. 
Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that it, that leads to the other you know pain point is you know if you're getting everything from one company and they drop the ball, which you know they're human. Occasionally, that stuff happens, um, and you have to have it that day and date. Then I hope you're ordering it from multiple places because if one guy drops the ball, at least you're getting it from two other spots. It's only happened once, but we had a direct from Wizards shipment for our launch date not hit. Yep. You know. But yep. And, and it's they can't do anything, man. You show up there on Friday, and it, the UPS doesn't have your packages, and it, there goes the weekend. There goes a lot of money. But you know, it's uh, so we've learned a lesson with that one too. It's multiple sources. At least have enough to do the launch party and all that good stuff, right? So prices may right. have to wait till Monday. Yeah, the whole uh, just in time seems to be the model that uh, they can't quite get to. Like the actual, the efficient moving of the supply chain. They just, there's too many stops and starts. And yeah. it almost seems like what there really needs to be is another level. There needs to be like publisher, mega distributor, then little distributors, and then retail stores to kind to have another section. Because like if more distributors is kind of better, at least a little bit, and it helps level out the problem with the allocation, then that's kind of where it needs to, it seems like that's what needs to happen. There just needs to be more people to access, more people to source from. That's kind of happening a little bit. Um, Alliance has definitely been cornering more and more exclusives and becoming a larger distributor, right? Um, it's also problematic because if you're not in good with that distributor, and we go back to the concept of allocations, if you don't like that distributor, I mean, I, I was one of the ones that I'm just, every time I could on a soapbox going, I hate exclusives, stop with the exclusives. The problem is I've seen after becoming more old, becoming older and more wiser and talking to publishers directly, I almost understand their viewpoint. One distributor is a lot easier to control than multiple smaller ones. They have a huge problem, again, counterfeiting, um, people breaking maps. They, once it's out of their warehouse, they've lost control of the distribution chain, right? I mean, who sold this to this guy? This guy is banned from selling our products because he's a bad operator or whatever or not. And somehow he's getting this product, right? When you have a lot of distributors, which is better for me, I want to be able to get it from multiple sources. So if one's out, the other person has it. Um, but when you come to the, it creates the other problem of like, if you have a bad distributor, somebody is not operating within the confines of the rules, um, then you run into a situation that the publisher doesn't know. Versus if there's one distributor, they can go, I'm sending it to you and that's it. Man. What's going on with Bob? Why are you selling the Bob? True. Yeah. It's tough, right? It's tough. It is. The um, more steps in the supply chain, the less control the publisher has over their product. So I can see why they would like to have. The other big problem for is, is information. Information is not there. Um, in other words, Gary said that we order here, right? in order for us to hopefully get here so maybe we can fulfill this the problem with us ordering here is the publisher goes oh my god look at all these orders coming in when in reality we place triple the orders sometimes to hopefully get a third of the orders and take care of our it creates this sort of artificial bubble that we go we know we're not gonna get this right uh, destiny is a it was an example of this back when it was yeah destiny's the destiny's the perfect example right so now we have an, an sort of, and they, the publisher obliged. They printed a, a ton. And it's not like it's saturated right now, but definitely I have a steady supply. In other words, there's Destiny product in my store. 
but I had to literally overcommit in order to keep it there. Um, the spell decks are another example of that the, from Gale Force 9, right? You literally have to sort of go, I need 500 of these just so I can have them for Christmas, right? I'm not going to sell 500 in a month, two months. Probably be done in maybe January, February, and need more. But what the publisher then sees is this sort of overinflated demand going, oh my God, I sold 500 in a day. You didn't. I, I got a six month supply. Yeah, I guess that, I think that's a good way to put it artificial demand, like an inflation of the, uh, of the requirements when you're like, okay, I, I know that allocation is going to prevent me from getting what I need. So I'll just double that. And then all they see is, wow, we got double, like they see the, the number, the final number, right? They're like, man, that's a lot of, a lot of orders. I mean, that's what people want. Like, no, what they want is literally half that. It's just they got to make sure they get it. Expectations seems it's, to be the real I mean, sticking point. In, in Destiny, there was, you know, there was a call out, Destiny, you know, the retailers talked to each other and said, you know, we should, you should, we should order what we need so that they get realistic numbers. But you just, you just can't. If you, if you order exactly what you think that you're going to sell and get half of it, you're in trouble. I mean, that, that could kill your game. If people are coming in, especially for a collectible game, if people come in and they can't get it, it'll, it'll kill the game. There's also the other problem of when they catch up, right? So you're consistently ordering double or triple of what you need till like uh, living card games. Living card games are yeah. a good example of this. So the Arkham Horror game was a huge hit. The first couple cycles and Netrunner was the same way that we're ordering double, triple what we wanted in order to get you know enough for our subscribers. Uh, and then all of a sudden one day you got everything you ordered. <laughs> oh. That they've caught up. They've, they've figured out the production chain. And now we have twice, three times is what we need. Which then leads into the problem of like, I mean, knocking on wood, I can make some mistakes like that and still not go out of business, but it's, it's right. not a healthy proposition, right? Now, if you have a store that on the other hand is kind of like mm, stretching it, going, so to say, paycheck to paycheck, figuring out where yeah. the next month's rent's coming, now you've gotten what you want and your money's tied up in cards that are not moving or figures or whatever it is. So what's the solution? You take and you go and you try to liquidate it. Yep. Look, people point the finger online, but really you could do the same thing in your store and ruin the Vegas market, ruin the Chicago, whatever it is, right? Because I mean, you are in effect trying to liquidate some product well we're committed to. Um, and there's a possibility that there that some distributors might be facing the same thing. Uh, oh, poof. We got everything we wanted for Destiny, but the retailers aren't buying it like they were before. Now what? So, um, and I, I don't want to accuse any of the distributors of this or anything like that, but I mean, it doesn't take much for somebody to set up a back door, right? And, and dump online or, you know, yeah, offer it directly to the public. Again, I have no proof for this or anything like that, but it is speculative. Right. And, you know, when you see some of these stores that are consistently putting prices, I like, Dude, that's what we pay for it as retailers, right? You have to start wondering where is this coming from? Who's doing this? And some of the publishers are looking at that and pointing maybe the finger at distributors, right? Some retailers I know have, so, you know, um, it, it's tricky. And the reality is we got to figure out this problem because there is no getting away from it. Our industry still needs a three-tier system. We really need it. There's no, you know, especially with this whole slew of 
I mean, how many Kickstarter projects this year? Oh my gosh. Three board games released on average a day last year, right? If you want to take a shot on a game, you can't go there. The first thing when just this, this weekend, we had a gentleman come in the store and he's all excited because he's going to launch his Kickstarter. He's doing a, um, a zombie survival deck building game and he's super pumped. And my first thing to him was like, okay, great. Assuming this gets funded and you becomes to, what's your plan for distribution? Blank face, right? Because you are local. To I'll media. mail them out. <laughs> well, it's not even that. I don't think I was like, oh, uh, no thought there. Now, I'm in Vegas. He's in Vegas. We can probably drop him off on my store, and that works for me. But that works for me. Gary, he's not going to drive to Colorado, I would guess. <laughs> I love it up there, but it's a six, eight hour drive, right? <laughs> yep. So, if you're a small publisher, you need distributors. Getting your foot in the door with those guys is going to be critical for you to get your game out there. Most of us will not take a chance unless you get something crazy, right? The Dark Souls board game, or you know, right, you got, right. we're we're not going to look at them. It's not that we don't love you. I'm sure you got a great game, but there's so many of them, and yeah. we can't take chances on all of them. So, distributor allows us to do a small bet. Right? We don't put it all on black. We just kind of edge our bets on a couple of different things. When something takes off, we pay more attention. So it's an interesting conundrum, and I see different approaches and people working, but it definitely seems like there's a consolidation now, right? Less distributors, bigger, more professional distributors. and uh, Yeah, the first thing that I, th I thought of was that I think the issue was information and the gap between when somebody wants something and when the uh, the order comes in. So... Like you were talking about before about how you really appreciate it when the player says, I want this thing. Give me this thing. Here's the money for this thing. When it comes in, I want it. That's great because it's guaranteed, right? Yeah, I don't even take the money up front. I'm just like, I need to know you want it. That's all I ask for. <laughs> like, yeah. okay. Even just the, just the info that you know, oh, the, you the know that they want it. The info is just as valuable. Absolutely. But like we were talking about before, if you order twice what you need, and then you get it eventually when they catch up, right? Like the, they finally understand, okay, this is exactly what the demand is actually going to settle out. This is what the supply chain is. Then they're actually behind the curve because they're, they're not caught up to the actual information itself. They're still looking at it right. from, from before, from like two or three months ago when you were trying to catch up and just get what you needed. So it's just matching the, the two curves, right? Of what actually is in demand and, the supply and putting those a little bit closer together so that the uh, distribution isn't so bumpy, and, right? Yeah, and the other problem that most people don't understand is like, why don't you just make more? You can't just make more. You have to, <laughs> the pieces in the factory in China, there's 10 people ahead of you making, I don't know, model cars or whatever not. When it gets to your turn, they'll get it. Then they gotta put it on a boat. Then it's gotta cust clear custom. And if plastic pieces are here, but the board oh, is- Plastic, Right, you get what I'm gonna order wood pieces, whatever. Mayfair assembles everything in the United States, but they still gotta get the components to come in. And if one piece is missing, you're still looking at a delay of months. And by then, pretty much the common consensus among us retailers these days is, if you didn't catch it on wave one, particularly with board games, your chances of making any money on on wave two is is pretty slim because it's gonna be so saturated that you're gonna be like, nobody wants this anymore. It's, it's, that art, it's that artificial uh, that artificial demand that's not actually there. I mean, we get, you know, a, a game comes out, it was super hot, it's instantly gone. And then for the next three, four months, we get people coming in all the time. But can you get it? Can you get it? Can you get it? Well, that same person is going to every game store and online. And, you know, they're being very vocal about asking everybody. 
So, you know, there, there is a demand there, but it's not as big as it looks. And the worst thing is, as gamers, I'll put myself in this category, we suffer from a new shiny syndrome. Um, the game that was hot three months ago is out of my radar. You got it, great, but can you get this game that I can't find now, right? Because I don't want that one anymore. This is the new hotness. Um, so th there's a lot of that too. Um, those are definitely, I think, those are solvable in the long run. It starts with the, the consumer understanding that we're not, at least as far as my store is concerned, I'm not going to shackle you with product. If you change your mind for the most part, we're pretty good, right? You gotta be really bad with us for us to go, no, we're not ordering something for you unless you give us money, right? Most of our customers are great, they pick up their stuff. But if you have an interest in something, let us know. So that's the first step. The second step is us being able to provide distributors or potentially publishers with real numbers. Look, I think realistically, if you can get me 10 cases, I can sell 10 cases, maybe 11, right? but I need those 10 cases because I got nine committed or eight committed, right? And if that, I can consistently go, if I order 10 cases, I get 10 cases. We should see a leveling off of that initial problem. And then the other part is the distributors part. This is a thing that I don't, we live in the year 2017. I still deal with distributors that their primary method of communication in dealing with is I need to call you, John. I need to have a conversation. And that's a very salesman kind of approach. The reality is, when my customers come in at five o'clock at night, my sales rep has gone to bed. He's gone home to take care of his family. And that's right and that's just. I need a good tech infrastructure. I need to be able to log into the website. I need to be able to place the order right then and there. I need to know what the cost of the item is. And a lot of these distributors don't have that infrastructure. And it's like, well, John, we have reps. That's great. But I, when I order hundreds of items, I can't sit there on the phone with the rep for two hours. But you have this. No, you have this, right? I mean, yeah. um, so the tech level needs to catch up. That hopefully will lead to better information. And the final step is definitely communication from the publishers. And that's a, another difficult part. I can't tell you what's coming out because I have this IP problem that I can't tell you about because I got to wait till this magical day. That it's this Friday and everybody's going to know about this thing. And I get those constraints, but it causes a problem, right? Yeah. Uh, we discussed Force Friday a little bit, right? It, that was entirely, yes. Me and Gary went, dude, it's, it's Star Wars. We pretty much can figure out what it is. We think we can sell X. But a lot of other stores were like, I'm not ordering this. I don't know what it is, right? If it's what I think it is, I want. And if it's not, then I don't want it. And, and I don't know how to fix that either. But definitely, there are a lot of things that the publisher can do to keep us better informed. Oh, thank goodness GW has moved away from like, Super secret, coming out tomorrow, do you want it? To like, here's at least two and a half weeks, three weeks of notice, right? Um, yeah, it's been great. Yeah, because we can collect orders, we can let them know by that Monday, we can get it by Friday, we're good. It's working a heck of a lot better. So there needs to be some, I think it's everybody's job in all tiers to, to get this to work better because <laughs> it ain't working the way it does right now, for sure. So what would be the ideal form of communication? If you had like a system that you like, this is exactly what I want. What would it look like for you to be able to to know what publishers are doing? I I wish my POS was hooked directly into the into the distributor site. I mean, like like Comics does, yeah. and uh, I I'm fine with publishers looking at my at my numbers. If there was a way that I the thing you have to understand if you're if you're coming into the game business from the technology field, which a lot of us did you're going to be stunned and appalled at the level <laughs> of technology that we deal with. 
um, there is no currently no great point of sale system for game stores. There is no great you know distribution software uh, for for this business. I mean, we are still dealing with you know calling a person and asking and them you know going to the warehouse literally this happens all the time that i'll talk to my rep and and she'll go well i'm not sure let me take a walk out to the floor and see um so i mean i would have if 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 i could have any system at all it would be one where the publisher is able to look at my system remotely and gather the data for their products and see exactly what's selling and what's in what's on my shelf and how, you know, how much it's sold. Yeah. And if you're a publisher leading this, listening to this, anytime, anytime you want data from me. Anytime. I, yep. I don't, I'm not worried about it. I mean, if you're going to sell to my competitors on the street, feel free. Okay. I mean, the reality is this, um, I want to share information because it makes us a better industry. Yep. Um, absolutely. So the sharing of data is, is, is important. And, but here's the reality, Gary. I, I don't know what point of sale system you use. It was Crystal Commerce. and Right now we're using Crystal Commerce. Um, I'm investigating other options. Okay, well, it, uh, duly noted. Um, I, I use <laughs> may or may not have been on the show. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm able to literally import inventory with just a comma-separated file, right? And if I had a consistent barcode, MSRP, wholesale cost or whatever information standardized that would be a godsend because I can load yeah. volumes of volumes of product instead right now literally I have to pay my receiving crew to create items Every yeah time comes in and wants to order something, you got to stop what you're doing and order it or you got to break out with the old pen and paper or a notepad like I do because nobody can read my handwriting and write down what he needs so he's not tying up your queue and then when he's gone you got to punch all that stuff into the system if you're lucky that the, the, supply, the publisher provided you with a barcode at a price. <laughs> Ever then, you don't even know what the price is going to be for an item, right? So information coming from them would be great. You would love to give them our information. Hopefully, there's a meeting point there somewhere in the near future where this is going to happen. And for the longest time, we rely on the distributors to do this. I don't think they do it well. I don't know if they'll ever be, do it, be able to do it well, right? I think it needs to come either yeah. it's conglomerate into one, like comics can do it because literally there's one distributor in the United States. They hold Marvel, they hold DC, they hold comics basically. So Marvel and DC comply to the standard that Diamond set and it's easy to send a file every month. You upload it in, in this case in RMS, it's got a special plugin for the comics industry. And you're there, you have all the information you need. Um, interestingly enough, you ask the question, how do I want my information? I don't care. Like I literally don't care if it comes via email, I have to go to the website. My thing, use whatever forms you want, just make sure it's consistent. For example, we had a problem with the, the Wizards release. This time around, they did this uh, promo buy a box booster, right? And it's super popular. You know what I'm talking about, Thomas? You're probably yep. dialing in that, right? So, basically the Saturday show pack as far as I've, yeah, they, I've seen. I think they overshot their mark because now I'm getting a whole bunch of people. Hey, I buy my stuff online for $80 a box. Can you match it? Because I really want the, the booster and I want I want one per box. And yes, the answer is no. But So don't ask, please. Because it's not going to happen. Uh, I like to make some money, not go out of business. But anyways. <laughs> um, Seems like a fair thing to I, Nah, me. I'm just greedy. But, um, you, so, you're gougers. You're yeah, capitalist gougers. I don't necessarily take capitalists as an offense. Personally, but, um, so 
in, in one piece of paper that came in, in with the kit, there was no information about this booster. Um, when you went to a piece of the newsletter, there was an article on it, but in an email, there wasn't. So multiple ways to communicate with us, and probably a good idea because some people maybe pay attention to a newsletter. Some people go to their website and look at the videos. But the problem is the message wasn't consistent across the board. This pack was only present in this news article and maybe an email, right? When it came to the actual piece of paper, like here's what's coming out, you're gonna give out this promo at game night, you're gonna give out this at, the, that pack wasn't in there. And it, it's a bit of a problem in, in me having a background in communications, that's, that's something that is problematic because if somebody pays attention to only one piece of that information, they're gonna miss out on that entirely. Oh, it was in this news article, you didn't see it? I don't go look at the news articles, I look at the piece of paper you send, right? So yeah, I don't know if there's one thing that works. For me, send it how you wanna send it. Just the important thing is that the message is consistent across all the ways you're gonna send it. Consistency and standardization. Not that hard. I think we'll be able to pull that off. What year is it? Yeah, 2017. But yes, but Gary is right. Uh, we, we still got stone uh, chisels and slabs of stone <laughs> before our yeah. yeah, it's not it's not just the games that are uh, analog. <laughs> it's the industry. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a good time I, I will show, tell actually. you on a positive note, I, I will tell you one thing that I that I do love about distribution is when you find a good rep and, and my alliance rep is is fantastic. I've been with her for years. And if she ever leaves, I'm doomed. Um, but she knows my store, right? Unlike a publisher's rep who wants to sell you their entire line and just that's all they want. Um, she's able to know my store and recommend to me things that, that I can sell and even better filter out the stuff that I'm not going to want. Um, because like John said, there's, it's, it's a gigantic flood of information of new games that we get hit with every day. Um, I mean, literally we're getting, I get, over a dozen emails a day of long lists of, of stuff that I need to sort through that is either new stuff or reprints. And every one of them, you know, takes a little bit of research to figure out, well, is this something that I'm gonna, gonna want? So yeah, having that, having a person I can trust, you know, especially who's looking at, you know, far down the road of, hey, I've heard about this thing, you wanna get down now, you know, early for it. Yeah, that's a huge, huge benefit. And, um, you know, I mean, Right now we got what three publications from three of the major distributors. There's a GTM catalog. There's a um, Meeple Monthly. Is that what it's called? From yeah, from ACD. And then Game Trade Buyer or something like that from um, uh, GTS. Yes. Yeah. 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 So each one sends us every month a magazine, right? And uh, I, the shocking thing to me is half the time I look at something in that magazine and go, "Well, this is interesting." There's no descriptor of it's a role-playing game, it's a board game, it's a card game. Like you literally don't know. There's this generic description of like set in the wonderful world of blah 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 and four players. Yeah, all okay. fluff. But it doesn't tell you absolutely anything about like what kind of game it is and et cetera, et cetera. And, and Gary is right. Some publishers just want to sell you something, no matter. So I get the hey, I gotta sell this, but by that same token. If you sell me something and it doesn't sell, and you sell me another thing and it doesn't sell, my chances of listening to you on the third thing are zero to nil. You know, so there's a certain partnership that needs to happen there where you go, 
you're right. You know my store. Sorry. Gary doesn't do Jenga, okay? That's not a thing that he carries. Why am I pushing him Jenga? There could be some exceptions. I know that Gary has a huge Doctor Who crowd, and there's a Doctor Who Jenga. Maybe he wants this one, right? But, uh, yeah, he's right. And I was also, like I said before, a very strong opponent to distribution um, exclusives. And Alliance was a big, big proponent for that. They, they, one of their big kind of things was they pursued those aggressively. But I will tell you this, I, I've changed my view of them based on their performance. And I know that a lot of people still don't like Alliance, but ultimately speaking, the rep makes a huge difference. If you're not happy with them, fire them. Ask to get your rep changed because it makes a world of a difference. It really does. That makes sense. Like it really, it's a win-win win, win relationship with the rep, right? It's, they want to sell you stuff that you can then sell so you can continue to buy and they should be thinking about your best interests as much as they can and be like, okay, what can I make? How can I make your business better so that you can make my business better? And if you can get that kind of relationship, that seems to be like a, a good first step. Anyways. Well, it's hard to do because those, those reps are really overworked. I mean, they're, there's each, each distribution house only has, you know, a handful of reps and I, I, I don't know how many individual clients they have, but it's, I'm sure it's a huge number. And, and I go back to technology alleviates that a lot. If you give me the information on your website, I don't have to bug you as often, right? I mean, things like release dates or, can I sell this online right now? Am I getting in trouble because it's an early release? I mean, sometimes it's hard to find even that, right? I mean, uh, we're getting there. There's a long road ahead. But uh, the exciting thing for me, and Gary can probably attest this too, is I see a lot more communications going on between retailers and publishers. And that is kind of like a key because they don't work in my store. They don't know what the heck I'm seeing, right? And I don't work in their warehouses. I have no idea what, what it takes to publish a game. So being able to somehow bridge that gap and at least talk to each other uh, in a non-pitchfork slash uh, torch-waving <laughs> way because it does no good, um, hopefully ultimately going to lead to the perfect game industry. I don't know if I'll see it in my lifetime, but uh, here he's a young whippersnapper. Maybe in yours. So. <laughs> Wait, what's that just say, Sonny? <laughs> I did have one question. What is the problem with exclusives? For someone who doesn't know, why is that an issue? Well, allocations, I mean, there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of reasons. Um, allocations are a big part of that. Um, if my secondary or tertiary uh, distributor is um, the exclusive, and this happens all the time, they're the exclusive distributor of a game. No, but I barely order from them. You know, I, I barely do anything. Am I going to get allocated very much of that hit game? Nope. No, I am not. If anything, like I, I, I've been allocated down to zero. Sorry, couldn't get anything for you. Well, that's 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 terrible. I understand, but I understand because I don't order. I simply don't order from you very often. Because yeah. you have one product that I want, and the rest I get better deal, or I like that distributor better when I'm not. The big problem. I think it's also, there's a certain resentment there as, as store owners, we're pretty independent, right? I mean, we, we started our own business because we didn't want to be under the man or whatever. Not. So when you pitch at me that I can get this for one source and one source only, I mean, if you were to tell that to a consumer, I'm sorry, all magic must now be brought through Gary at the Haunted Game Cafe. That's the only source for magic in the United States. You would probably revolt, right? I mean, it's not, I'm not saying that's going to happen or so for us, it eliminates a little bit of the like competing distributors, right? You can set a price and just, you don't like it, 
you don't carry this product because I'm the exclusive distributor for it. Um, if you get in an argument with that distributor, I have no other recourse. Hey, you send me damaged product. Yeah, yeah, I'll fix it. Yeah, yeah, I'll fix it. You can't go, you know what? Don't ship me that stuff. I'm going to get it from distributor B because you suck. No, you got to deal with that devil. So there are a number of reasons why distribution exclusives are not the most ideal solution. So why do publishers go with it then? What's the benefit to them? Control and information, right? Yeah. They're sending it all to one spot and not 10 spots. And they get detailed information back from that distributor about, you know, what, how much of it sold where. And also on reduction in logistics, um, you have four warehouses to ship to, or maybe one central one, and then the distributor takes over from there and sends it to the other individual warehouses, right? It's a lot better than sending 12, 20, 25. Um, but primarily, Gary is right, it's control, being able to have some control of what happens to your product once it leaves your warehouse as a publisher. And dude, I need data. Part of the agreement here is you're gonna tell me what retailers are ordering. I don't know if every retailer is as for carping as me and Gary would be to a publisher. I have no issues with it, but I know that we're, for the most part, kind of a secretive bunch, you know? Um, Alrighty. Well, do you guys have any closing thoughts for somebody struggling with just their own distributor problems? What, do you, what would you suggest? Hmm. Uh, John's absolutely correct. You, you, you have to be, um, you have to be firm and, and go to the higher ups, uh, in the company and say, look, this, this rep that I'm dealing with is, is just not working out for me. Um, I, you gotta give me somebody else. Um, you can still shop around to other distributors, you know, within reason. Um, uh, there are still three or four major distributors, uh, uh, operating. Um, but, after the uh, after Asmodee announced that they were going to go with one distributor, you're you're going to be dealing with Alliance. There's simply no way around it. Understand that to a certain degree, it's not fair. I understand it, but yes, your volume gives you some amount of leverage. Um, it's, it's it's just the way it is. Understand their perspective too, right? Again, I go back to the example of a customer. You get you got your great customers. You get and some of them you're willing to do a little bit more for you know kind of situation. It's the same way with them. Um, Everybody's equal by all means, right? But they're still running a business and they got to keep certain people happy. So uh, don't take it too personal sometimes. It's just mm. when there's not enough to go around for everybody, the reality is they have to make some really horrible, tough decisions. You know, um, I have to make it sometimes where I go, Timmy's a great kid. I'd love to give this, but there's 10 people ahead of him in the queue. Is it right for me to boot somebody off of the queue? You know, so they struggle with those same decisions as we do. Uh, and Try to foster as many relationships as you can. Um, one day, the, the guy that you don't order that much from might just save you when you need real uh, product really badly and they'll, they'll do it. I'm fortunate enough that I can keep most of my distributors pretty happy. So um, I, I wish I could go through one, you know, but that's, that's not the case anymore. I don't think it's ever gonna be the case ever again. Um, so. I would, I would tell any game store owner, be, look, be honest with yourself about your numbers. I mean, it, it, it can appear that you're saving money by spreading out your orders. Um, a lot of, if you order direct, you can get a, a little bit better price from a lot of publishers. Um, so spreading things out, it, it looks like you're paying less. But if you go, if you do bunch up all your orders, you know, towards one distributor, chances are they're going to give you a better rate. And, uh, you know, you will be, you know, more in line for those allocations. So 
even though it looks like you might be spending more with a, with a distributor, the increased volume might bring that price significantly down. I was doing that for a long time. I was, you know, tripping over a dollar to pick up a dime um, by moving, doing lots of little orders all over the place. And finally I just went the heck with it. I'm just going to do one big order from these guys and my, the amount that you pay, the more, obviously the more you buy, <laughs> the cheaper the price and my price went significantly down because I was doing all my orders from one place. Um, I guess the other thought would be to know your distributor strengths. If that distributor focuses on magic and they get you the product you need and they give you a good price or they have special, I mean, we got a, a little mini fridge that's on my, my office. It's my, my personal from one of the distributors for ordering X amount of product, right? Um, I'm not saying that's the incentive, but I'm trying to get a, if that's what they focus on and that's what their warehouse has. Um, that's maybe where you want to order your magic. But as the same token, if they don't have Reaper miniatures, don't take it personal. You might be the only person in their market area for that warehouse that wants Reaper miniatures. You're not, no matter how big you are, you're not enough an incentive for them to stock a warehouse full of Reaper miniatures just to service you. So maybe you, you realize that magic comes from distributor A and Reaper miniatures comes from distributor B. Um, play to their strengths. Understand where they're situated. Some of them can do it all. Some of them focus a little bit narrower, but can do that pretty well. And that might be a motivator for you. Not so much the price maybe, but the fact they got the product or they know that product deeply. Yu-Gi-Oh is a, is a crap shoot for me. I never have an idea what the heck. But when I talk to a specific distributor, he's like, get more of this, ah, pass on this, or just order a box, right? That's the kind of information the distributor can still do well because they know that particular product. All right. I think uh, the only thing that I'll add in is that... Uh, we're all in this together and it doesn't help to throw stones at the people that you rely on. So if you're having some trouble, realize that uh, they're also having some troubles too. They've got issues of their own. You need to need to work together because everybody wins when everybody else wins. So I think it's a pretty good place to, to close out the show. We'll talk to you guys next time. Sounds good. Bye guys.